Hey friends, this Lenten season, a Luther House's study donor is sponsoring a challenge grant. And that means for the next five weeks, if you sponsor one podcast, another podcast episode will be sponsored on your behalf. If you'd like to have your donation doubled this Lenten season, email Sarah Stenson at sarah at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah at lhos.org. Check this episode's show notes for more information or go to lutherhouseofstudy.org slash donate. What does the devil do? The devil makes us look around at our world, at our personal lives, politics. I mean, pick a category, any category. And the devil makes you wonder, is God really for you? Is God really active in this creation or is he in fact actually just withdrawn and he's watching it all sitting up in heaven and and just watching it go to hell in a handbasket, literally. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, Adam Guthmiller and I are joined by Sarah Stenson to discuss this week's lectionary gospel text, The Temptation of Jesus. Immediately after his baptism, the Holy Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Sarah breaks down the ways Satan tempts Jesus, turning stones to bread, throwing himself off the temple, and ruling all the kingdoms of the world, and what we can learn from Jesus' responses. In this week's conversation, we also zoom out to ask, who is Satan? What power does the devil really have? And is Satan an actual physical being? We finish our conversation by reiterating that God is sending his messengers out to proclaim a promise that combats the devil, doubt, despair, and unbelief with a single word, Jesus. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. On to this week's conversation.
Welcome back to Scripture First. We have the one, the only, Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. And I should note, we're here without Kiri. I know, it's going to be kind of quiet and sad. So, yeah, you know, that's definitely Adam and my vibe is just quiet, quiet and, and sad. sad. Exactly. So, Somber, yeah. We're going to do what we can to like mm-hmm. fill the void left by Kiri. I don't think we can. I don't think so either, yeah. but we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Good. Well, we're in the first Sunday of Lent, uh, Sarah, in Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter, right after uh, Christ is baptized. And we were kind of talking beforehand how strange the story is, but it's the... Uh, temptation of Christ. Maybe you can give a little context that I haven't already uh, given. Right. So we're in the fourth chapter of Matthew here. And immediately before the verses for today, Jesus had just been baptized. uh, And then the Holy Spirit, the dove descends on him and God, the father speaks his promise to Jesus. This is my son, beloved with whom I'm well pleased. So immediately after that, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, so the same Spirit that we just heard about in the baptism, that same Spirit now leads Jesus into the wilderness, not to go camping, not for a fun experience, but to be tempted by the devil. So it is kind of an abrupt um, juxtaposition of texts, stories here, um, and intentionally so, I think, because we know Jesus literally just heard the promise of from God the Father. Mm-hmm. He has the Holy Spirit there. So it's this big Wah! moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, boom, um, he is either led up by the Spirit in this uh, text, but in Mark Ekbalo, like violently thrown out yeah. into the wilderness. Get out of the water and into the wilderness. Right. And Luther actually has this great sermon on this text. Uh, it's one of my favorite Luther sermons, actually. And he does, he spends a fair amount of time on the front end of that sermon talking about exactly that, the the depiction of the Christian life that happens now with Jesus' own baptism, the promise, and then the attack on faith. That's why I don't think this story is weird, because we you you said before this that you, not I'm not trying to put words in your no, mouth, it's but fine. that this story was strange or weird, yeah. but I actually think it's... Exactly. It's how, the Christian life. It is the Christian yeah. life. It's in that way. But it's comforting. It's it's weird yeah. to most ears. Sure. Because most we tend to think in terms of glory, and you've got this literally glory filled moment of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the baptism and the voice of God. Yeah, talk you know, about all a that. cinematic. That exactly. might be like one of the most cinematic moments in the entire Truly. Bible. Absolutely. No, that's. I think that's probably right. It's right up there with a couple other really big stories we can think of. Mm-hmm. Moments of kind of glory as we would think of it. And the reason it is, I think, abrupt and kind of weird to most ears is that immediately he's out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit again. It's not like he just wandered out accidentally. Why? I mean, you said thrown out, led. Right. um, Depending on which gospel you're reading. It's strange to me that you have... I mean, it all it is all God. It's the Trinity, three in one. Yep. It's one. Like Jesus is God, the the Spirit is God. Right. So it's like Jesus is being led by the Spirit. So they're like kind of one and the same, but they're different. Mm-hmm. Like how how can one aspect of God be throwing another aspect of God into, into temptation? the wilderness? And and literally now, even more specifically, um, the wilderness was known certainly the way we think of wilderness, but also in the Greek, it's eremos, and it was actually thought to be not just 
desolate, barren. Like I think of it like the deserts in Arizona or mm-hmm, California. Sure, right. mm-hmm. Not just that, but also strongly associated with demons. Yep. The devil. So, and then we have to be tempted by the devil. So we cannot answer, for example, how it is that the Spirit is leading Jesus because it is certainly God is one and we can't separate um, the persons of the Trinity the mm-hmm. way we would separate the three of us sitting here in this podcast, you know, autonomous individuals. But all of Scripture is saying there are three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, the mm-hmm. Son, and the Holy Spirit, that have different jobs. They do different things. So now we know the Spirit is actually either throwing or leading Jesus out into this place associated with demons, specifically to be tempted by the devil. And then we're going to start to watch the different temptations the devil sets in front of Jesus. Okay. And maybe before we go kind of verse by verse, breaking this down, can we just zoom out and we, we don't get to talk about the devil, Satan, very often on on this podcast or in church life, you know, it's kind of we kind of shove the Fairboten. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we shove talking about the devil to the side when maybe we probably shouldn't. That should we should be addressing this fairly right. often because this is a a role in, in Christian life as well. Uh, but who or what is the devil and and is there a difference between how the devil was operating like in this story, for example, right. as, as uh, uh, tempting, and, yep. tempting Jesus versus right. today. Is there right. is it the same person, same thing, same yep. entity? No, that's all really good. And we know from Scripture, the only tool the devil has is to make you doubt the promise of God, to confuse God's word, which is making you doubt God's promise. That's the same with Jesus and it's the same temptation, certainly back to Adam and Eve with the serpent. Did God really say, first words out of the serpent slash devil's mouth? Same thing today. When you read Luther's Letters of Pastoral Care, for example, there's a great volume edited by Tappert, uh, his, his pastoral letters, Luther's pastoral letters. Over and over again, you see Luther invoking the devil only when it's an attack on faith. Mm-hmm. So when he's dealing with people who are struggling and and now thinking this is happening to me, I can't believe God is for me, or however you know whatever form that comes out, mm-hmm. Luther identifies that very specifically as the work of the devil mm-hmm. because faith in God's promise is being attacked, and mm-hmm. that's literally the only thing the devil can do is make you doubt God's word of promise to you. That's what he's trying to do to Jesus. Also, oh, you're the beloved son. Oh, you think you're God? Well, therefore do this. Mm-hmm. So as as much as this seems like a really uh, unique or specific story to Jesus, and what does this really mean for us, I think you're onto something there, Mason, with um, bigger picture. What does the devil do? The devil makes us look around at our world, at our personal lives, politics, I mean, pick a category, any category, and the devil makes you wonder is God really for you? Is God really active in this creation or is he in fact actually just withdrawn and he's watching it all f- sitting up in heaven and and just watching it go to hell in a handbasket, literally? Um, so the way we 
address the attack of the devil, either in individual pastoral care, certainly in a sermon or in a worship service, is doing exactly what we're going to see Jesus do now, uh, although Jesus is preaching to himself, but he's clinging to the word of God. So we, as individual Christians now, deliver that same promise of Christ and say, I know what you're suffering. I hear the attack, the agony you're in. Let me tell you, you do have a God who's for you. You have a God who gave you his promise in baptism, and God does not and cannot lie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my, my Kiri hat on Go. Real, real quick. Go. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't buckle wait. Buckle up. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And I, 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 I appreciate that. That's an excellent definition. Yeah. Um, but is the, is the devil like a, a, a physical being, um, you know, portrayed by in, in common in all these movies right. and, and pop culture, you know, the red, red the person, yeah. pointy ears, or even scarier and demonic modern movies, whatever. Right. right. Um, or is it the way that you could describe it? Is it more of like a, a self-doubt or like uh, the internal questioning of like, you don't no, have yep. faith? So we do know from scripture, we don't have a you know a distinct description of the devil. I'm honestly not sure where that cartoon-ish figure, like with the little horny things and the tail and all that completely came from. But um, we do know the devil is an actual entity, a fallen agent, angel we see in one place specifically, um, but is also, you know, the, the prince of this old earth. World. Exactly. Yeah. And so active in this old world, this this uh, sinful, fallen world we live in now. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we don't dwell on the devil. Uh, even, uh, even in this text, it would be easy to turn this into a sermon about the devil. And we never dwell in the devil because that's um, in some ways giving him more than is his due. But we also, to your point, Mason, we don't ignore the fact or pretend that there is no devil. That's, uh, Ferdy has this great uh, end of, it's either first or second chapter in in, uh, Where God Meets Man. He talks about that's exactly what the devil wants, Hmm. is to pretend there is no devil. We can't answer why. We can't answer a lot of the questions we might have about the devil, but we can say from scripture, yeah, a real entity whose only real tool is doubt. Mm -hmm. And we do not want to concede the ground by saying, oh, that's just myth or there's no such thing. Yeah. Um, But we do continue to preach Christ when we hear the product of the work of the devil, when we hear that doubt, despair, unbelief, mm-hmm. then then we deliver, that's, you know, mighty fortress. One little word will fell him, mm-hmm. will fell the devil, will kill the devil. And that's Jesus. Luther talks about the devil too um, in the large catechism on mm-hmm. the petition for give us this day our daily bread. Right. When he says that the devil works to um, create famine, disrupt uh, the means by which this could happen to you. And then cause you to lose faith essentially yes. that God would provide for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what you're saying is right, Sarah, that we actually, uh, our language is informed by scripture and we can speak honestly about um, the devil, what he's up to and what he's after without mm-hmm. um, dwelling, without dwelling, yeah. but also not knowing our Lord is Christ. And so not. Uh, yeah. Which is why we can name the work of the devil we can name when we it, yeah. see it or yeah. hear it. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. and then deal with it. 
Yeah. So uh, we hear in uh, the second verse, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards uh, he was famished. Understatement, I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? He was... uh, (laughs) So true, I mean, like truly suffering. Yeah. Uh, It certainly echoes the 40 years in the wilderness with Israel wandering in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, they failed the temptations on lots of different levels that they encountered. Um, They complained, they weren't grateful, they hoarded the manna, all these things. They made their own idols, yeah, of course. And so, but now we see... uh, A quick Google search says that you can survive two to three months without food. Interesting. Thank you, Mason. Yeah. So that's uh, realistic here, 40 days, 40 nights. So he had another couple weeks. Sure. Before, (laughs) sure. (laughs) And luckily it doesn't say he didn't have water. So that's that's good. Um, (laughs) But then the devil, the tempter... Uh, comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So there's the first temptation, Mm -hmm. at least in the Matthew account. First temptation is, okay, if you are the son of God, in other words, prove it. Prove you are who you say you are. Prove Mm -hmm. you are God. And by satisfying your own basic human needs, Mm -hmm. fill your, your belly. Save yourself. Exactly, save yourself. So the devil is saying, meet your own need. Also, though, putting God's promise on trial, which you're going to hear every one of these temptations, the temptation of the devil, again, is literally, did God really say? So here, even in this first one, did God really say, you are my son, the beloved? Because he says, if you are the son of God, Mm -hmm. if that's true, then prove it. Mm -hmm. So that is putting God on trial. That's what the devil's Temptation really is in that moment, put God's promise on trial, demand proof, which again, we see this all the time in our own lives. Yeah. Maybe, can you just uh, define temptation or how, how are we using that word? It is literally t- to test or yeah. to tempt one. So it, it's the way we would hear it in the English too. The temptation is to put God on trial, Okay, but it is a temptation mm-hmm. in the Greek. It really is temptation or test. Mm-hmm. And the test is not uh, in this and the others. It's not um, whether or not Jesus is going to be strong enough to stay hungry. Mm-hmm. It's are you going to put God's promised you on trial? Mm-hmm. That promise That's is daily the work of bread, the devil. Correct. And that you are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Yeah. If you are, yeah. look around, you're starving to death now. You should be able to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Prove it. Yeah. Prove it. Which right. Christ can, but it's uh, Absolutely. the whole point is not to be. But he knows he literally would be falling for the temptation of the yeah. devil by putting God on trial. That's mm-hmm. what he would have been doing if he would have said, sure, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, I want the bread. It's more than just getting something to eat. Yes. This is, yeah, well. I mean, if you don't get something, he's going to die. But I mean, it's higher stakes than that. Exactly. But it's all rooted. It's so much bigger. So kind of like Mason, you said like bigger picture. Every one of these things is so much bigger picture because it's all rooted in the only tool the devil has to make you doubt God's promise. Every one of these things is putting God on trial, which is if Jesus were to have succumbed to that temptation, this is sin. Mm -hmm. And of course... He is sinless. He who knew no sin eventually became sin, according to Apostle Paul. But he who knew no sin, unbelief is sin. So Jesus knows exactly who he is. And he also knows, and we see that in the response, it is written. Mm -hmm. He knows scripture. 
it's all about him, actually. Mm-hmm. So he's in this one, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. So that's Deuteronomy 8.3. In other words, cling to God's promise. Same thing for us to this day. Mm-hmm. And that's why we deliver God's promise into the ears of those who are doubting and being attacked by the devil, unbelief. Mm-hmm. Then the devil took him to the holy city, let me see, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying mm-hmm. to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. So there's the second temptation. Right. Yep. And so uh, this again is going at the putting God on trial. And if you are the Son of God, so there it is again, the if doubt the yeah. promise you just literally just heard from, well, I guess 40 days earlier now right. from God, the father, my son, the beloved, and then, okay, throw yourself off a building. Well, in, in this case, the holy city, pinnacle of the temple, mm-hmm. throw yourself off that temple and then put God's angels to the test. Mm-hmm. And now he's quoting here. This is interesting. Psalm 91, uh, especially verses 11 and 12 in that uh, on their hands, they'll bear you up. So you will not dash your foot against the stone. Is he Interesting. quoting that accurately? No. Okay. Um, he omits. He omits a little bit of that verse. Uh, Luther doesn't go too far down the path of speculating about why he omits this one little clause, but it's not actually an accurate word of God. He is not quoting accurately. Remember, it's exactly what happens in the Garden of Eden. Only that in that case, it's Eve twists the word God had given her. Now it's the devil. This is why we say he's the great, you know, the deceiver, the obfuscator, confused. Now he's literally, he doesn't have God's word to give. Yeah, but yeah. the bigger issue is that he's he's quoting scripture against Christ. Right, <laughs> and inaccurately, exactly. Yeah, that is no. yeah but that's right. And so yeah. what does Jesus do? Well, he quotes it back at him only accurately, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is actually from Exodus 17. Um, and it's a section where Moses in, is warning Israel about not testing God. So he's literally naming the temptation the devil's giving Jesus to put God to the test. Prove it. Prove it. So, and you know, we see this in all sorts of uh, contemporary contexts as well. Uh, it, even something like the Christian scientist, if you have enough faith, you don't need medicine or this is intervening, it, all sorts of different forms, even in our Lutheran congregations, um, it, it comes out in a lot of really unhealthy ways. If you have enough faith, then dot, dot, dot. This mm-hmm. is much down the line of what we're seeing now with if you are the Son of Lord, if you are a Christian who has God's promise, then mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. And the the devil was doing this in the first te- temptation too, that he's questioning or challenging Jesus's title or yep, the place as he had received next to God's yep. throne, right? Uh, if you are the son of God, but by asking him to turn stones into loaves, it's more of like a help yourself out. You're starving, you're hungry. Like right. Jesus would quote unquote benefit from, right. you know. Personally. Right. Yeah. Whereas the second one, you don't really get a lot of personal benefit from throwing yourself off a building, but it's, he will command his angels concerning you. Right. So it's, Is it's scripture really Does, true? Yeah. Is it really true? Mm-hmm. Is that Psalm, you know, scripture 
actually accurate or not. So put it to the test. Throw yourself off the temple. Yeah. Yep. And then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So the last yeah. temptation, again, he takes him to a, a high place mm-hmm. uh, and uh, tempts them with uh, power. Right. And the irony here is in this last temptation in Matthew's version, at least, he's saying, worship me, mm-hmm. the devil, not God. Bow mm-hmm. down to me if you will fall down and worship me. Mm-hmm. And what he's promising him is actually what is not his to promise anyway. This is, again, part of the deception of the devil, because we know when when he says all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and I will give these to you if you worship me. Well, let's not forget Jesus was present at creation. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Jesus yeah. was there. Yeah, Jesus certainly knows Creation is not the devil's to give. Mm -hmm. So this one, actually, at this point, Jesus is like, okay, that's it. Now we're done. We're done. You you got to the, the, finally, the the root of it. Worship the devil, Mm -hmm. the liar, the tempter. Don't worship God your father. Yeah. So there's the heart of it. And Jesus says, okay, that's it. Enough. And so he commands the devil to leave. Away with you, Satan. Using scripture again, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil leaves him. Boom. So in this and in other examples we have in all four gospel accounts, we do see, again, Jesus has command over, power over even the devil. Mm -hmm. When he says, away with you, Satan, Satan leaves. Yep. So um, the devil leaves him, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. So that's how this text ends. This is verse 11. The devil left Jesus because Jesus said so. Remember, verbum real, when God speaks, it happens. Jesus, who is God, says, away with you, Satan leaves. But now we have the devil leaves him, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. And so the angels there, the Greek word is angelos or angelos, means messenger from God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, diakoneo is another uh, word here. It means wait at the table to serve. So Luther actually, um, and admittedly it's speculation, the text does not say this, but Luther does speculate here that when it, the text says the angels waited on Jesus, they are actually now providing him with what he had not had for 40 days and 40 nights. So he had refused to meet his own needs up in that first temptation with turn the rocks into bread. But now says Luther, and and I think this is certainly within the bounds of the text, I mean, fair enough, yeah. that these messengers of God, the angels are now actually um, providing Jesus meeting the needs that had not been met for that 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. One other, um, I think, augmentation to this text is we also know 
A messenger from God is a proclaimer, mm-hmm. angelos. That's a preacher, formally ordained or not. Anyone out of whose mouth we have is Jesus and the promise of forgiveness. So now, kind of back to your original question or conversation, Mason, why does this matter now? Where do we see the devil now? Well, we see it, as we talked about, the attacks on faith. How can you believe in a God who would allow X, Y, Z, or allow you to suffer, whatever it is? So now we actually know God still sends his messengers out into the world, angelos, and that's preachers, proclaimers of the word of promise to combat the devil and combat the doubt and unbelief, despair that occurs because of the work of the devil with that one little word. Jesus Christ forgives you all your sin. You have a God who is for you. He promises and he does not lie. And on that note, we reach the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that Jesus has command over everything, including the devil. Just like God did in this passage, he is sending his messenger, his preachers, out to proclaim a promise that defeats all sin, death, and the devil with a single word, Jesus. It may seem odd that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, a place associated with demons, right after he was baptized. But Luther said this is a depiction of the Christian life. You receive Jesus' promise, and your faith is immediately attacked. The devil is using all his power to cause you to doubt. Did God really say? But that's why we must continue to preach God's promise of the forgiveness of sins far and wide. The devil has no power when defeated by the promise of Jesus Christ. In Sing to the Lord, Lars Olson and I, with Zachary Brockhoff, discuss a hymn's history, lyrical meaning, and the way it preaches the gospel, all to understand and appreciate the importance of hymnody in the Lutheran Church. Click on this episode's show notes for a link to sing to the Lord's podcast feed so you can listen to the show and subscribe to hear the weekly episodes. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, one word defeats the devil, Jesus. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.